Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Unsafe Space. I'm Carter Laren. I want to talk today about this Prager video. It's actually a couple years old. It's called, If There Is No God, Murder Isn't Wrong. And before I start, I just want to say I, I like Prager on a lot of issues. I've had friends who've done PragerU videos. And uh, in this video, he argues, Dennis Prager himself argues about... Um, <clears throat> that he's, he's about to argue that my lack in a belief of a God, I'm an atheist, uh, necessitates that I believe in moral relativism, that I'm, I must be a moral relativist. And several well-meaning Christian friends and allies of mine have shared this video with me as recently as evidence of a well-reasoned, airtight argument. This stemmed from um, actually conservative millennial who I follow on Twitter and like. Um, she posted something about uh, God being necessary for, for using the words good and evil. And in, in this Twitter discussion ensued, and a lot of Christians were pointing to this video as a, as a great airtight argument and, and description of why that's true. Now, just a message to, the, to Christians out there. Um, I get it. I get that you're surrounded by a society dominated by secularism and moral relativism, and the Venn diagram of atheism and moral relativism overlaps quite a bit. Uh, so <clears throat> I get that. And while that's true, it doesn't mean that atheists are necessarily moral relativists. Um, that might feel good to believe because uh, it reaffirms uh, the importance of your religion, but <clears throat> don't mistake that for a rational argument. So I'm, I'm an atheist, but I'm not a moral relativist. I do use the words good and evil. I don't need the concept of God to have concepts of good and evil. So I want to walk through this video and and just kind of give my reactions and thoughts to the video. So here we go. Do you believe that good and evil exist? The answer to this question separates Judeo-Christian values from secular values. So right away he wants to separate Judeo-Christian values from secular values, and he paints that as the, the entire universe of values, but that's not the universe of values. There are non-secular, non-Judeo-Christian values, right? So right away he's excluding belief in other deities, right? And this will be important later. I'll, uh, I think I'll bring this up later in the video again, probably. But um, I want to point out that often people use the word God without defining what they mean. And he's not going to define what God is uh, here either. Um, and that really without a clear definition of God, it undermines the, the possibility of even having a rational discussion because both sides can have their own understanding of what that word means. And so whether they're arguing or agreeing, they might not even be having the same conversation because they have different concepts. So is the God omniscient? Is he omnipotent? Is he benevolent? Uh, is is he, or I guess she, uh, apathetic, uh, right? Leave things alone, kind of hands off or, or active and actually doing things. Um, is this the God that wrote the Old Testament? Did that God write the New Testament? Um, which I think uh, Prager might disagree with a lot of Christians on. I believe he's Jewish. So uh, does this God speak through people today? Or is he done talking to people? So can, can people have revelations today? All these things need to be defined for us to understand what kind of a God that he's talking about. Because if he's talking just about 
someone who wrote in a book that murder was evil, uh, which we'll get to, um, there's lots of people who've written things in books. Um, so what, what God exactly are we talking about here? And he doesn't say that. Um, I also think it's interesting. I know we, we just started the videos here, but I also think it's interesting that he, um, he starts this saying, do you believe that good and evil exists? And this answer separates the, the you know, Judeo-Christian from secular values. That's kind of a weird way to start it because good and evil are, are concepts. This, that's not like language doesn't work that way. Language concepts evolve over time um, through, uh, I would say, predominantly uh, through inductive methods. Like there's uh, a group of things that all have similar properties and all are different from this group of other things and you develop a concept for it. And, and that kind of works its way up a hierarchy and eventually we end up with concepts. And so um, this idea that the, the language of good and evil, you know, really can only exist in Judeo-Christian values. Obviously, he doesn't mean the language. You can say anything, but he means the concepts can really only validly exist in Judeo-Christian values. Ignores entire cultures. You know, my wife, for example, is Chinese, and uh, they have, you know, they have concepts of good and evil that have nothing to do with Christianity. They have words. Uh, I asked her for the, the Mandarin, the word for good is Shan Liang. I probably am butchering it and she'll kill me for this, but and evil is uh Okay, so they've had these concepts. They didn't have the Bible. This culture developed these concepts of good and evil and they use them. So um it's really weird because he's not just saying kind of belief in any God, or maybe he is, I'm not sure, but he seems to be saying it's Judeo-Christian God, which also is weird because there is not one Judeo-Christian God that's two different beliefs. Um and then there's secular values. So it's just kind of a weird way to start um, that I think really doesn't even take into account how language evolves and works. This is not humans evolve language and we evolve these concepts um, on our own. We we don't just, uh, it's not like there's some word we've never heard of and God uses it and said, this is what I mean by evil. Um, so anyway. Let me offer the clearest possible example, murder. Is murder wrong? Is it evil? So here he equates, is murder wrong with, is murder evil? And uh, I think this is important to just to stop and note because he's defining evil as what is morally wrong, which I think is a fine definition. I just want to be clear that that's kind of the definition um, that we're going with. So let's keep watching. Nearly everyone would answer yes, but now I will pose a much harder question. How do you know? I'm sure you think murder is wrong, hmm. but how do you know? Okay, so what he means by this here is that he's sure that you hold an opinion that murder is wrong. And now he's asking the question, what reasoning justifies that opinion as true? And that's a valid, that's, I would say that's a valid philosophic question to ask. Um, I wouldn't have used the word, like, I'm sure you think, he's using the word think almost in a, a weird like derogatory way like you think it's wrong like thinking is actually how your brain functions like that thinking is your primary tool of survival so thinking something is is actually quite important feeling less so but uh but he's he's using it to really mean the opinion and but i think he is asking a valid philosophical question which is well how do you know so let's let's uh let's see what he says 
If I asked you how you know that the Earth is round, you would show me photographs from outer space or offer me measurable data. But what photographs could you show? What measurements could you provide that prove that murder or rape or theft is wrong? The fact is, you can't. Okay. This is, this is just an assertion. You got to just recognize that. He's just saying, the fact is, you can't. Well, that's not a fact. That's just a thing he's saying. He hasn't demonstrated it. He hasn't... At best, it would be a conclusion after an argument. Uh, it's not a way to start an argument. The fact is, you can't. Maybe he can't, but uh, we'll get we'll get to we'll get to this later. Presumably, he's going to now try and solve this problem, which is uh, well, how could you go about maybe proving uh, this this assertion that um, that murder's wrong? So let's see. There are scientific facts, but without God, there are no moral facts. In a secular world, there can only be opinions about morality. They may be personal opinions or society's opinions, but only opinions. So this is actually a, a big philosophic problem that I see a lot, and I think it's actually responsible for a lot of um, the misdirection that's happened in society and the decay of society. It's this idea that um, you can't use your functioning reasoning mind to uh, think about moral issues, you can only use it for science, and that somehow there's this magical divide between scientific stuff and human stuff. And scientific stuff is like the, the physical world that's not human. Yeah, yeah, your brain works for that, and logic and reason and evidence, that all works for that stuff. But there's this special realm of things, which is how should humans behave, the should, right, the ought. Uh, and your rational thinking mind is impotent in that realm, which is a weird assertion because it's a it's an assertion that's put in the context of a rational argument, which kind of undermines itself. But um, he's saying without uh, without this kind of belief in God in a secular world, there's only opinions about morality. Uh, he says without God, God, there are no moral facts. So first of all, I assume here again, he's meaning a Christian God, or I guess in his case, a uh, uh, Jewish God. Um, but again, this is just an arbitrary assertion, right? Um, the existence of God is an arbitrary assertion. I mean, I think even most Christian theologians kind of agree that ultimately this comes down to a question of faith. This is God's not a, a provable thing. Um, I know, you know, Thomas Aquinas, there's been people who've tried to prove it, but they've failed philosophically. And so uh, the, the theologians, at least the ones that I'm aware of, and, and I could be wrong, you correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, you know, they've they've mostly kind of given up on this and said, well, yes, it's a question of faith. At the end of the day, belief in God is a question of faith. So it's it's pretty arbitrary assertion to say that, well, <clears throat> there's this existence of a God and that existence of God is necessary for morality. And then I just want to point out that not even all Christians, first of all, Dennis Prager doesn't believe in the same God that a lot of people watching this video uh, does. I, I believe, he, like I said, I think mean, he's Jewish. The Jewish God is different than the Christian God. Even among Christians, different denominations have different concepts of what God is. Um, you know, go to a, a radical leftist church in San Francisco and then go to a, um, a right-leaning evangelical um, Baptist church in the South and you'll find very different concepts of who, who and what God is. Um, and, you know, if, if you're going to go down this path here, you could very easily just make the argument that, well, uh, without Zeus... 
there are no moral facts. Or without the flying spaghetti monster, there are no moral facts. It's just a statement. He's done nothing to demonstrate the statement yet. He's just making a statement, and he's making it emphatically. Um, but he's just making a statement. Um, so claiming that there's this uh, transcendental creature that solves a problem for which there is no proof, um, a creature that you have to take on faith, that doesn't prove anything. Um, and, you know, the argument doesn't actually do anything. That argument doesn't actually do anything to demonstrate that murder is wrong. Because um, I could just dream up of a being that has a different concept of murder, right? Or that I could just dream up a being that has a different set of rules. In fact, some other religions actually sanction death as punishment for sins um, that the Christian faith doesn't recognize our sins, which means that those religions actually sanction what Christians call murder. So this idea that like, well, you have to have this belief in this entity. Well, unless we really define well what that entity is and why that particular entity is the one, then uh, it's it's kind of ridiculous to say like you need that to define what murder is and, and, and that murder is evil because other entities that people come up with have differing opinions on morality. Anyway, let's, let's continue. Every atheist philosopher I have read or debated on this subject has acknowledged that if there is no God, there is no objective morality. Okay, I need to stop there because this is a complete straw man argument. So let's break this down. He said, the athe every atheist philosopher I've read or debated, I don't know who he's read or debated, but if he's ex if he's like actually serious about exploring this issue um, and he's never run across any atheist philosophers who argued for objective morality, then he's doing a shitty job because I'm not a philosopher and even I know that there are thinkers out there who are secular and atheists who have argued for objective morality. So. The idea that's like, well, I talked to a bunch of people and the people I read, they agree with the secularists that I chose to cherry pick for this, uh, agree with me. Okay. Uh, doesn't prove anything. Um, now, I do want to give him at least a little bit of credit here in that historically atheist philosophers um, have been moral relativists, most of them. Um, that's true. Uh, but you have to understand that in context here. It's only in recent history that philosophers could even openly contemplate the uh, the non-existence of a god or a universe without a god. So they couldn't even really have that discussion out in the open. And atheist philosophy, especially discussed out in the open, is relatively new. Um, and there have been a lot of really, really bad and influential atheist philosophers out there, but that doesn't mean that objective morality is impossible. That's like saying, you know, I serve, I, and I went to the the ER and I got a bunch of people to try and run the mile out of. I recruited from the emergency room, and none of them could run a mile under twenty minutes. It's like, so therefore, humans can't run a mile under twenty minutes. Those aren't the best examples, right? Uh, you can't draw that conclusion. Um, so moral relativism is not, my point here is moral relativism is not the only alternative to uh, having religious-based morality. Um, just because, you know, Dennis Prager failed to read any philosophers who've worked on this. And so the obvious one that comes to mind that uh, I, is 
people aren't allowed to talk about uh, is Ayn Rand. Um, she was an atheist philosopher. She made a strong case for objective morality, um, not moral relativism. She battled against moral relativism, uh, but she was absolutely an atheist. And, and I think she actually made quite a strong case for it. So the idea that, that it's just an impossible thing for secular philosophers to do is, is silly. I guess he's never read Ayn Rand, which is odd considering uh, the circles that he runs in. He's kind of on the right. You'd think that he had read Ayn Rand, but apparently not. More recently, Stefan Molyneux also proposed a framework for uh, objective morality, something he calls universal preferable behavior. And uh, granted, that's more about um, interactions between humans and not about making personal decisions yourself, but it's still a uh, valid, objectively derived um, perspective on morality. So, you know, Prager might not like these arguments. He might not like Molyneux or like Ayn Rand, and he might have, maybe he even has found some flaws in those arguments, but he needs to then present those flaws. He can't just say they don't exist, which is what he's doing. He's he's picking the easy people to, to diss here. He's like, oh yeah, all these atheist philosophers believe in um, subjective morality, therefore subjective morality is the only alternative for atheists, uh, which is, or the only option for atheists, which it's not. So, um, <clears throat> You know, I, I will admit that both Rand and Molyneux are controversial, right? And neither have degrees in philosophy here. But uh, then again, Dennis Prager is controversial, and he doesn't have a degree in philosophy. So uh, I don't think this matters. But he, if he's like a degree worshiper, and he wants to talk to uh, philosophers with degrees, that's also possible, right? I'd be happy to introduce him to some philosophers. Uh, I could introduce him to Dr. Tara Smith at the University of Austin, um, Dr. Greg Salmieri uh, at Rutgers. Both of those are atheist philosophers who believe in and argue for and have arguments for objective morality. So he hasn't even done like contemporary research, um, you know, forget people he's read or not. He hasn't even looked at like professors of philosophy who are atheists who argue for objective morality. He's just ignoring them. Um, and again, I, I do want to say, look, most most of modern philosophy is actually trash. But if he wants us to take this issue seriously, us atheists, to take him seriously, then he can't just uh, the bunch. Uh, he he can't just uh, he can't just debate a bunch of postmodernist nihilist uh, moral relativist neo Marxist. You know, all of whom are horrible on ethics, and then conclude that the issue, the issue is settled, and all the atheist philosophers are moral relativists. That's just not fair. It's not a good argument either. Anyway, so let's let's keep going. Judeo-Christian values are predicated on the existence of a god of morality. In other words, only if there is a god who says murder is wrong, is murder wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is just. Uh... <coughs> Is he even listening to himself? This is, it's not an argument like, only if there's a God who says it, is it true? I'm, that's not an argument. That's just another emphatic rephrasing of the premise in the first place. Um, you know, what if there's a God who says, murder's a great idea? Does that make murder a great idea? Um, what about the gods of the Odyssey and the Iliad? Right, they seemed pretty comfortable with murder in a lot of cases. Um, and those books are just as old as the Bible. Uh, and if we're going to say that morality comes from commandments in the Old Testament, uh, which I think is kind of what he's saying here, right? Then we have to seriously consider that um, none of those commandments bother to tell us that slavery is wrong, for example. Uh, but they do in endorse slavery 
um, kind of implicitly by commanding that uh, uh, not to cover your covet to your neighbor's slaves and that kind of thing. They slaves obey your masters. Those, that's all in the Bible. Because, um, you know, <clears throat> that would have been a great big moral lesson to impart to humanity, but God failed at that moral lesson. So the idea that like, well, there's a God who tells us what these moral things are, but he he left out some important stuff, but he's still the arbiter of all morality, and without him, we have only moral relativism. Uh, it just, it's just, it just strikes me as so disingenuous. Um, right, let's keep going. I'm getting riled up. Otherwise, all morality is opinion. Okay. Again, it's just the rest of his emphatic statement. Otherwise, all morality is opinion. No, no, you've just decided that you're only going to consider moral relativist atheist philosophers, no one else. You're not going to listen to any other arguments, only the moral relativists who are horrible. Um, so this is just an emphatic statement. Let's, let's look at the support he's given so far because he's rephrasing this and repackaging this statement over and over again. So first, he's, he's basically said only two things that I think he are supporting here. He claimed that there's no scientific facts that could be used to make the case for murder is wrong. Now, he just said that. He didn't bother to look very hard at any rational arguments or philosophers who have who are atheists who've talked about this, right? Um, and and the second thing he said is, well, the ones I did talk to were are more relativist. Like, that's it. That's his argument. There's nothing else to this argument so far. Zero. Other than some emphatic restating of things. Well, let's see if he gets any better. The entire Western world, what we call Western civilization, is based on this understanding. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to keep pausing. I'm sorry. Uh, really? All of Western civilization is based on the understanding that only if there's a God is murder wrong. Otherwise, morality is all opinion. Um, where do you get that from? Uh, look, I mean, I've written about this before. Um Maybe I'll, I'll provide some links. Uh, I, I wrote about it uh, in response to the Christchurch shooters attack. But, you know, Christianity um, and therefore kind of this understanding here <laughs> predates Western civilization by millennia. So you can't just point to Christianity and say, you know, for centuries, Christian beliefs uh, involved slavery and suffering and war and... Uh, Western civilization came along, and uh, because of the same Christian beliefs, suddenly uh, we have Western civilization. You have to ask, like, what changed? Something changed. Something, at least be honest, something about those beliefs changed. Uh, and the answer is, yeah, there was. There was a reformation in the Christian religion, and then there was an enlightenment in thinking. And so Western civilization is a result of the enlightenment, which you can argue— uh, was influenced by the Reformation, absolutely, but it's a result of, of people like John Locke arguing against the divine right of kings much more than it, than it is about a belief system that existed millennial before that. Um, you know, is it true that Christianity played a role? Yes, right? I'm not arguing that it didn't. Specifically, the two things that I think are uh, Christian Christianity's biggest contributions to the West are one, uh, and this is post-Reformation Christianity, right? So this isn't something that's embedded in Christianity as such. It's a reinterpretation. 
Um, but that reinterpretation did two things I think are most important is one, there was an enabling of some individualism, right? This idea that individuals had souls and you no longer had to go through an authority to have a relationship with God suddenly kind of put you on equal footing um, in some way and allowed you to kind of make your own moral decisions because ultimately you were responsible to God at the end of the day. And this idea of universal ethics, which which is, uh, you know, I mentioned when when I talked about John Locke uh, and arguing against the divine right of kings and this idea that ethics are applied universally, those were um, those were Enlightenment ideas that you can argue were were influenced by the Reformation, but they're not. Uh, it's not like Christianity had those ideas. And by the way, Prager's not even again Prager's not even Christian, so his religion predates all of this even more. Um, it's not like those ideas. It's not like the Old Testament says. By the way. Uh, everyone should have a right to free speech and like, you know, individuals are autonomous. Uh, th there is no, there's no individualism. There's no arguing against the divine right of kings in the Bible. Um, so to make an argument that like those are the necessary foundations, uh, or sorry, to make an argument that Christianity is the thing upon which Western civilization is built is kind of weak. You have to at least acknowledge that something changed about Christianity and these are the things that changed and gee, might, might we point to those changes which are concomitant with the change towards uh, Western values uh, as the cause more than we would say something that's, uh, you know, a few millennial old? Anyway, let's, let's continue. Now, let me make two things clear. First, this doesn't mean that if you don't believe in God, you can't be a good person. There are plenty of kind and moral individuals who don't believe in God and Judeo-Christian values. But the existence of these good people has nothing, nothing to do with the question of whether good and evil really exist if there is no God. So I, I agree with this. Um, the, only, the only way in which it does have a, it, the only way in which it does have to do with the question is um, you really can't even label people as good uh, without a God in the first place, according to Prager. So um, how do you even define whether they're good people or not? And then how do they know to be good? Are they just like randomly good because they don't, uh, they don't, they can't really have a concept of good without belief in God. So they just are random. Like, why do they choose to be good then? Like what, what's going on? Um, and I'm not saying that's an argument for against them. I'm just saying like, the question is kind of related. He's saying that it has nothing to do with it. It's kind of related, but I'll give him that. It's uh, one doesn't necessitate, you know, one doesn't imply the other. Just because there are good atheists doesn't necessarily mean what he's saying is not true. But they are related. Second, there have been plenty of people who believed in God who were not good people. Indeed, more than a few have been evil and have even committed evil in God's name. The existence of God doesn't ensure people will do good. I wish it did. The existence of God only ensures that good and evil objectively exist and are not merely opinions. Okay, so again, this is just a reformulation of his original premise here. Um, he hasn't done anything to prove this. He's basically positing that a creature that can't be proven, which is an arbitrary assertion, uh, 
is necessary for this. And, the, you know, it's necessary for this arbitrary creature to exist in order for there to be good and evil, which are concepts that humans developed on their own um, in other societies as well. Um, and further, he's kind of saying only the god as Dennis Prager imagines or experiences this god is necessary. Only his. Because I don't, I'm not sure, I don't think he's talking about other gods, right? He's not talking about Zeus. Um, he's talking specifically about his concept of a god, which again may differ from a lot of Christians. Without God, we therefore end up with what is known as moral relativism. So, no, we don't therefore end up with moral relativism. He has not made an argument for that. I've given counter arguments. There are people who have come up with systems that are focused on objective morality, who are atheists. Um, it's a false alternative. What he's providing is called a false alternative. It's either Judeo-Christian or moral relativism. That is a false alternative. It's a logical fallacy, and he's guilty of it over and over again in this video. Um, this whole thing is just circular so far. There's nothing real here. Um, you know, also, I kind of am starting to wonder, like, this argument kind of seems weirdly backwards to me. And I think it's an argument from consequence, which is another fallacy. Um, and, and that is basically, uh, we want there to be objective good and evil. And then he says, well, uh, if there's a God, there's not, if there's not a God, then there's not objective good or evil. So suddenly we're going to be like, oh, well, there must be a God because I don't want the conclusion to be true. Um, you know, so he's... Uh, you know, he's using the false alternative to construct this universe where these are the only two options. You don't, it's like only options A and B exist, which is not true. Option B is bad. Okay, we, we all don't like moral relativism. Therefore, option A. And like, that's not how argument works. And uh, this is not a good uh, logical proof here. So um, I don't know exactly why he's even making this argument. So it could be one that, that he's trying to get people to believe in God through doing this uh argument from consequences. It could be that he wants only Jews and Christians to have the moral authority to talk about good and evil. Um, so I, I'm not sure why. Maybe we'll, we'll figure it out. Meaning that morality is not absolute, but only relative to the individual or to the society. Without God, the words good and evil are just another way of saying, I like and I don't like. Okay, now he's just repeating himself here. Uh, in a bunch of different ways, but he still has not made an argument. He's just rephrasing over and over again, rephrasing his original proposition in a bunch of assertions. Um, let's keep going. If there is no God, the statement murder is evil is the same as the statement, I don't like murder. Now, many will argue that you don't need moral absolutes. People won't murder because they don't want to be murdered. But that argument is just wishful thinking. So I agree with him. That is just wishful thinking. Um, but the argument that there are only those two alternatives is dishonest thinking. Hitler, Stalin, and Mao didn't want to be murdered, but that hardly stopped them from murdering about a hundred million people. It is not a coincidence that the rejection of Judeo-Christian values in the Western world by Nazism and communism led to the murder of all these innocent people. Okay, so I actually, I, I mostly agree with him here. Um, it's not a coincidence. Uh, 
look, post-Reformation Christianity did kind of support individualism more than collectivism in terms of the framework here. And the atheist philosophers uh, that came around after that really, you know, rejected both Christianity and the individualism um, simultaneously. And they created a moral framework that kind of rejected this pro-individualist thinking and the pro-individualist notions of God. And they created a substitute religion, uh, which was the group or the state. Um, and some of them actually used God, so maybe not even necessarily atheists, but some of them used God to then justify this. So Hegel is the is a the classic example of um, I think he said uh, the state is the march of God on earth, right? So Hegel kind of viewed the state as this um, uh, corporal manifestation of God or the universe's will in some way. Um, and so, of course, both Nazis and obviously that's a vile, horrible uh horrible proposition. But both Nazism and communism kind of embraced that collectivist ideology, uh, which was explicitly anti-individualist. They wanted nothing to do with the kind of modern, post-Reformation, semi-pro-individual, pro-enlightenment versions of Christianity. So they are related. Um, but I do also want to point out that they're not, although, although it's not a coincidence that the uh, abandonment of Judeo-Christian values uh, saw you know gave rise to 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 murderous regimes um it's important to also understand though christianity is not immune to that ideology um you know when i was uh when i was growing up i was christian i grew up in a fundamentalist christian house and but i was also i also had a notions of kind of capitalism being at least some i wasn't uh, wasn't as pro-capitalism as I am now, but I had some notions that it was a good thing. And I remember listening to this band called the House Martins. They were an English band. I used to run a lot. I would put on the House Martins and run. And um, back this was back in the day when you, I'm dating myself, but I had a tape. I had a little Walkman and a tape. And the tape had the, the tape, the cassette um, case came with lyrics and you know i would take it out and read it and i remember noticing once and being shocked at this that at the bottom of this it said uh i think it said something like take jesus take marks take hope or something like that or take him maybe it wasn't take but it was some like accept jesus accept marks accept hope something like that um and i remember being a little bit shocked because i had assumed that like oh i thought christians were against marxism right and but these, these guys were kind of arguing for Christianity and Marxism, or at least professing to be supporters of both. And, you know, that was obviously decades ago. Um, but today you're seeing um, social justice, i.e. collectivist mentality, convergence in in Christian churches all across the United States. My, uh, my co-host, Carrie Smith on Unsafe Space, she's a Christian. And she talks about this all the time, that there's this convergence taking over the churches. So the idea that Judeo-Christian values or 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 this these religions, Judaism and Christianity, somehow uh, are defenses against or, or make you immune to collectivist ideology is just plain false. They don't at all. Um, so... You know, I think that is, while there is a correlation there, I think it's very important to understand that because, um, you know, there have been a lot of 
a lot of collectivist ideas put forth by people who also embrace Judaism or Christianity. It is also not a coincidence that the first societies in the world to abolish slavery, an institution that existed in every known society in human history, were Western societies rooted in Judeo-Christian values. So actually, the slavery is a great point. I wish, I wish more people would make the point about slavery. Um, Western societies, um, you know, he says rooted in Judeo-Christian values. I could just easily say, and more accurately, I could say, rooted in enlightenment values of individualism, right? Um, it's hard to argue, as I said before, it's hard to argue that Judeo-Christian values alone were responsible for the abolition of slavery because Judeo-Christian values, Judaism and Christianity existed for millennia before the end of slavery and explicitly allowed slavery. So um, the emergence of the modern West and this idea of individualism is much newer than Judeo-Christian values. So um, I think it's important to note that point and you need to address it. If you're going to argue that that Western civilization is rooted in Judeo-Christian values, you need to address the point of like what the hell changed because Judeo-Christian values, Judaism was around for, you know, a couple thousand years before the birth of Christ. And then Christianity was around for almost 2000 years after that, um, before any of this changed. So you need to address what, what changed, what happened suddenly. It's not, it's not the emergence of Judeo-Christian values. And so were the first societies to affirm universal human rights, to emancipate women, and to proclaim the value of liberty. Uh, great. All great things. Universal human rights. These are all great things. But as I mentioned, uh, you got to ask what changed. Because, again, um, it's not like Jesus came down again in the 18th century and, you know, have some had some new teachings about the divine right of kings, unless he was came down in the form of John Locke before that, but whatever. Like, it's not like Jesus came down and gave new teachings. Um Something changed, and it wasn't the Bible that changed. What changed? You need to answer that question. Um, and my answer is uh, Enlightenment thinkers. Today, the rejection of Judeo-Christian values and moral absolutes has led to a world of moral confusion. Okay, so I just want to point out really quickly here, um, this, is the, this is a package deal, right? So what he's doing is... He's putting moral absolutes and Judeo-Christian values together in a package and saying to you, you must accept them as a package. If you reject one, you reject the other. Um, or if you accept one, you must accept the other. And that's a logical fallacy. He has not connected them through any real argument here at all. But he likes to do that. He likes to put them together because he wants you to accept Judeo-Christian values. In the New York Times in March 2015, a professor of philosophy confirmed this. He wrote, What would you say if you found out that our public schools were teaching children that it is not true that it's wrong to kill people for fun? Would you be surprised? I was. The professor then added, The overwhelming majority of college freshmen view moral claims as mere opinions. So this is a great example of why I think we need to fight against moral relativism, and I'm on Prager's side with that. Um, I think the stronger argument for objective uh, morality comes from secular thinkers. Um, 
of I think secular thinkers attacking this issue of objective morality and and talking about how to uh, define morality objectively is ultimately more immune to um, attacks from the outside, from other religions, from other belief systems than um, than arguments from the Bible or from Christianity. But you know. These are the people Prager ignores. He doesn't want to hear from them because he wants to make his argument. Um, but, you know, if you're Prager or for, or for your Christian, I assume that you disagree with that and you think the stronger case comes from the Bible. And that's fine. I think you're wrong, but uh, we're allies in the fight against moral relativism and um, and those, the postmodernists and the collectivists. So this one stat here on college freshmen, it's disturbing. It's disturbing. So then, whatever you believe about God or religion, here is a fact. Without a God who is the source of morality, morality is just a matter of opinion. Okay, so he has taken the premise, reworded, he's, so he's added some words to the premise, right? So he's made it seem more scholarly. Instead of saying uh, murder isn't, what was the original premise? Uh, if there is no God, murder is wrong. That's the original premise. So he's he's made it sound more thoughtful and scholarly by saying, without a God who is the source of morality, morality is just a matter of opinion. That's the exact same thing with more words. And he put the word fact colon in front of it. That's all he's done. There's been no argument. He just is now emphatically stating the same thing and saying, fact. It's not a fact. It's just your premise, which you never really proved in this video. Um, and actually, I think did a... I, I could probably make a stronger argument uh, than, than he's making right now, so. So, if you want a good world, the death of Judeo-Christian values should frighten you. I'm Dennis Prager. Okay, so now it answers my previous question, like why is he having this argument? What's his agenda here? Um, now we see the agenda. We see why he's making the argument. He wants people to fight for uh, Judeo-Christian values, because he thinks that that's the only answer to moral relativism, right? Why Judeo-Christian values and not Muslim values? I don't know. Uh, I do think Judeo-Christian values are better, but he's not really arguing why that is. He's just saying, you need a God. Why not the Muslim God? I don't know. He doesn't say. Um, but I can agree that we should fight moral relativism. Um, and as an atheist, uh, if I had to choose between living in a society run by Dennis Prager and Judeo-Christian values um, and a society run by some of the, the worst of the secular postmodernists and the, and all the collectivism that they're pushing for and all the, the Marxism, I would choose the Judeo-Christian society, um, or at least the modern version of the Judeo-Christian society, the post-Reformation, post-Enlightenment version um, of that. But I'd much rather have objective morals um, supported by rational arguments um, and not reliant on arbitrary assertions about the existence of a deity. And because um, I, you know, I think ultimately reasoned conclusions are much more resistant to um, being torn down by competing belief systems. So I'm going to keep using the words good and evil. Uh, I don't need a god to tell me. Uh, that the earth revolves around the sun, and I don't need a god to tell me 
that murder is wrong. I don't need a God for either one of those things. Now, to my Christian friends and allies, I've addressed my thoughts on this. You may or may not agree with me. That's fine. Uh, We can postpone this argument over this issue until we've saved Western civilization, because there's a lot of work to do here, and we are being attacked by moral relativists, by collectivists, by this postmodernist, whatever you want to call it, neo-Marxist. Basically, it's nihilism, this, this ideology of destroying the values of the Enlightenment. And you know what? After we save Western civilization, my Christian friends and I, we can go out for a drink and we can argue over what the actual foundations of Western civilization are. I think it's important to recognize that they're from the Enlightenment. Even if you're going to argue that they're based in Judeo-Christian values, you need to recognize that something changed about Christianity, and that change coincided with the Re- it was it's the Reformation and then the Enlightenment, and those are the specific values that are that make Western civilization unique, and we need to fight for those values. So thanks for watching, and uh, you can always send us comments, um, thoughts, things you want us to to talk more about, uh, stuff that bothers you. You can send it to speak at unsafespace.com. Please go to unsafespace.com to support the show. You can subscribe on YouTube at unsafe space and you can follow us on Twitter at unsafe space. So thanks everyone. See you next time.